Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. And also, please remember to check out my free five-video serve course that's going to show you how the pros are able to hit such aggressive and successful serves. You can get that for free by going to FreeServeCourse.com. Well, today's show is going to be a a rebroadcast of, I think, one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done. I'm doing a rebroadcast because I'm getting ready to go out of town to Palm Springs, California to do a couple of clinics out there and also to film some instructional videos for some courses that I have coming out in the near future. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. I I was actually planning on recording a new episode this morning. I'm, I'm sitting down here on Friday, November 3rd. And I just, I'm just running out of time. I still have to finish packing and stuff. And, and so I, I, unfortunately, I've got to save that the outline I was working on. And I'll, I'll definitely get to that topic for next week's episode. But this week, I'm going to go ahead and do a rebroadcast of my Pusher podcast. This was episode number 30. So going way back and just a really solid topic. If you don't, if pushers are currently a type of player that frustrates you, you need to listen to this episode because I give a really extensive outline on how you can be successful against this type of player. So with that, let's go ahead and get right to it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get down to business and start talking about our focus topic of the week, which is something that every tennis player can relate to. It's something that every tennis player has faced themselves. And that topic is facing the pusher. (laughs) All right. Well, I just couldn't resist that. I um, was thinking about that all week, how I was going to put that in there. Um, But seriously, this is a type of player that recreational level players and just your average level tennis player hates to face. Um, and by the way, that was my voice. Kind of scares myself listening to it. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, this topic was brought up on the forums at EssentialTennis.com and was originally brought up by Charles. And we had uh, a conversation back and forth that several other people jumped into as well. Uh, Royce joined the conversation, as did John, and Tomas was in there too. And uh, we we had a good talk back and forth about um, pushers in general, and are there pushers at different levels of the game? As you get better and better, are there still really pushers at a 4-5 or a 5-0 level? So anyway, Charles's original question was, in nearly every tennis forum, People complain about pushers. No one ever seems to be a pusher themselves, nor advocate it. It's always the other guy. What I'm curious about is how high a rating a pusher can be before they either can't be considered a pusher anymore or before someone is good enough that they should be able to beat a pusher. 
I assume at a 5-0 level, there aren't true pushers, guys who don't have serves, that don't play well, that don't have much power, but can lob, drop shot, and slice shots all day long. I would assume 4.5 is even a bit high for a pusher, maybe 4.0, if they can handle the pace of the opponents. What's your experience with this? Well, Charles, it's a really good question. And yeah, I've spent a fair amount of time myself going around on the internet and looking at tennis forums and message boards. And you're right, this has got to be one of the top five issues that people ask about. Probably that and how to make topspin. And it's really, it's a legitimate question. And it's really a type of player that everybody struggles against. It doesn't matter your level. At some point, you've dealt with somebody like this who just puts ball after ball in play. So we're going to take the entire show today, um, half hour show, and we're going to talk about exactly what a pusher is. Is it possible to be a pusher at a 5-0 level? And more importantly, I'm sure to, to all of you guys, we're going to talk about how to beat a pusher. Yes, you, you can beat a pusher. There's certain things you need to be able to do and execute, um, but you can do it. First off, first off, let's talk about the different kind of types of names that this general type of player has. Um, this type of player will go by pusher or retriever, moonballer, dinker. There's all kinds of different names to describe this type of player. And it's basically somebody who just is good at putting the ball on the court. Uh, my doubles partner in college for uh, quite a while, he was, as a junior, kind of a pusher himself. And he said his high school tennis coach always used to tell him, there's another name for pushers, and that's winners. <laughs> because these type of players, they, they know how to win. They they understand the most essential and important part of playing tennis, and that is getting the ball on the court. So these are smart players. Don't underestimate this type of player. They're good at putting the ball in the court, inside the lines, over and over and over. And these types of players oftentimes don't get the type of respect that they deserve. In fact, they are just downright hated oftentimes by recreational players. Um, and, and there seems to be a kind of feeling that they don't play a good type of tennis or they don't play legitimate tennis. You know what? If you get beat by somebody who pushes, you didn't deserve to win. They hit the ball on the court more times than you did. And that's how you win at tennis is you hit the ball on the court. If you don't have the game, the weapons or, or the confidence to beat somebody who just hits it back in with nothing else on it, no pace, no spin, you didn't deserve to win. You were not the better player that day. Um, and anybody who complains and and says that it's not real tennis or or, or anything like that, um, that, you know what, they just got their feelings hurt. <laughs> and you, you need to learn how to improve your game so that you can beat players like that. Now, let's move on to the topic. Is there such thing as a 5.0 level pusher? Um, a 5.0 level player is, is a high level tennis player, 6.0 to 7.0. Uh, and by the way, the scale goes up to 7.0. Uh, 6.0 to 7.0 means that you're making your money. Uh, your, your, most of your income is coming from actually playing tennis. You're winning tournaments and you're earning money through competition. 5.0 level player is, is a couple levels below that, still very, very solid and, and high level, 
Um, it's around where, where I fit in, in um, the rating scale. Um, the, yes, there are pushers at every level of the game. It simply means somebody who's very conservative in general and consistent. Now, is there a 5.0 dinker or moonballer? Well, no. The, those are two kind of different uh, names for a general type of player, which means just somebody who puts the ball on the court. But retriever, yeah, there can be a, a 5.0 retriever, meaning somebody who just moves extremely well and knows how to hit the ball back in the court. Uh, real quickly here, I'll go over kind of some general levels and what pusher means for those levels because it's different. And on the forums, John had a, a real good post, actually, uh, in reply to Charles's question, kind of his thoughts on uh, on whether or not there was such thing as a 5.0 level pusher. And he basically kind of laid this type of thinking out, although his conclusion was, no, there's not a 5.0 level pusher, but I think there is. Uh, it just means a, a, a little bit different thing depending on what level you're talking about. It's all relative to how good overall a player is being discussed. Uh, now, a 2.5 or a 3.0 level pusher, um, kind of middle of the road level, um, I guess 3.5 would technically be middle of the road as far as your general tennis player. Um, they don't really do anything special, and I put special in quotations. They don't do anything special at all. Uh, besides what I just mentioned a second ago, they hit the ball on the court much more than you know their opponents. They win often because they can get the ball on the court, but they don't really know how to put any pace on the ball or spin or depth. They just know how to get it in. And trust me, that counts, all right? It, not taking anything away from them, but at that level, 2.5 or 3.0 or even up towards 3.5, um, this type of player just hits the ball on the court. They don't hit it deep. They don't hit it with any power. They don't hit it with any spin. They hit the ball on the court, and that's it. And the the type of people who are going to complain most about this type of player is typically around that level because it really is very frustrating to go and play a match against somebody like this, and they don't really beat you the entire match. You They let you beat yourself. And that's very, very frustrating, and it can be, you know, depending on what kind of personality you are, either very humbling or can make you very angry. <laughs> and so at that level, uh, yeah, it's very frustrating. At a 4.0 level, this uh, level player uh, can still be a pusher or retriever. Now we're getting to somebody who is starting to move better. They probably have footwork or movement that's above average, and they're able to cover the court very well. Um, and that allows them to get to a lot of shots that most players would let go by or maybe would get to barely but couldn't put back in play consistently. A 4.0 level pusher gets to most shots uh, so that they can keep the point going and keep testing your consistency and your patience. They have a little bit better pace. Uh, if you give them an easy ball, they can put it deep in the courts. Um, so they, they can put depth on, on the ball. They can put some pace on the ball and some spin, but they still don't really have any weapons. Uh, if you give them something short and weak, they can't move in and just outright put it away most of the time. They're still relying predominantly on your mistakes. And so they're not still, they're not really beating you, uh, in quotations, 
they are at the end of the day they've they've won more points than you if they win the match however they're not taking the ball and putting it away they're not finishing points with their shots they're waiting for you to finish by either making a mistake or going for a shot that will finally get it past them now let's talk about at a 5-0 plus level yes there there are still retrievers and pushers they're more referred to as a retriever at a 5-0 level or above um, and there's some professional players that make their money doing this as well. Leighton Hewitt is an example of this. He moves extremely well. He covers the court um, just with ease. Uh, very, very good footwork. And puts the ball in the court with good depth and reasonably good pace. He doesn't overpower anybody. He, he doesn't have any big weapons. Uh, he's a professional player, so he's certainly athletic enough and uh, he's got enough talent and skill that if you give him a weak shot, yes, he's going to be able to put some pressure on you, and he will hit winners. But for the most part, his strategy is to outlast and outplay from the baseline, get a lot of balls back in play. And if you're an aggressive type player, he's going to wait for you to break down and beat yourself. Um, now that's at a professional level. At 5-0 level, um, this is somebody who moves extremely well, kind of like uh, Leighton Hewitt I was just describing. They're able to hit, to hit good, heavy topspin if necessary, and oftentimes that is uh, used um, exclusively is heavy topspin off both sides. They're able to hit past the service line on a consistent basis, so they're keeping the ball deep, which makes it difficult for their opponent to attack on them in general. And they're completely content to just rally all day long. And I played somebody who's very similar to this um, just on Saturday after I was done teaching on Saturday. Um, again, I'm around a 5-0 level. And uh, somebody I teach with, he and I play um, matches after we're done teaching on Saturdays once in a while. And uh, we played on Saturday. And we go back and forth with, with who wins and he got the best of me on Saturday. But I would almost refer to him as kind of a retriever-type player. Uh, I must have hit three or, or four times more winners than he did per set. Uh, I, in general, am uh, very aggressive. If I get a forehand in a baseline rally uh, half the time or more, I'm, I'm trying to really hit an aggressive shot and, uh, and pressure. He moves very well. He hits topspin very well off both sides. And he's content to just rally. He's, he's content to take my pace and just send it back to me without going for much himself. He, did he hit some winners? Sure. Yeah, he's a good player, and he did hit a few winners. Um, but again, I would say I probably hit three or four times more. And he beat me 6-2, Um we were at 2-2 in the first set, and he pulled away from me to, to win 6-2. And in the second set, I was up 3-0 and won the next six out, of seven, uh, six out of seven games. So believe me, I know what it feels like to lose to somebody like this. Now, again, uh, this is Jorge, a uh, buddy of mine. I've got great respect for him. He's a very good tennis player, and he competes a lot more than I do. So he's more match-tough than I am. And make no mistake about it, he beat me fair and square. He played better tennis than I did. Um, but just realize, even at a 5-0 level, um, there are plenty of people out there who just play consistent, smart tennis over and over and over. So don't think that once you get past a certain level, you won't have to deal with this. Um, you will have to. All right, 
Well, next up, we're going to talk about how to beat a pusher. And we may have to put some of this into podcast number 31. We'll see. But uh, just a quick break here, and I'll be back in about 40 seconds, 30 seconds, and we're going to talk about how to beat a pusher. The Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by... Bridgewater Medical Group is a multi-specialty medical group located in Bridgewater, New Jersey, and is your home for primary care, gastroenterology, sports medicine, and general internal medicine. They offer a broad array of on-site, state-of-the-art services to make your health care experience more pleasurable. Scheduled appointments are preferred, but physician assistants are available for walk-in care. For more information, call Bridgewater Medical Group at 908-722-0808. For more information on sponsors of the Essential Tennis Podcast or to become a sponsor, visit www.essentialtennis.com. Okay, let's get right back into talking about... All right, I won't do it again. Um, I'm talking about the pusher. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the mental side of it because make no mistake about it, you're going to have to be mentally tough to beat this type of player. And this is why I lost to Jorge the other day. I, I took a lead in both sets and was playing great tennis. And I almost kind of surprised myself. I was attacking well, uh, was hitting a lot of winners off the ground. And I just couldn't keep it up. Mentally, I, I didn't keep my focus. And that's why in both sets, he overtook me and won several games in a row. I started making mistakes. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But first of all, mentally, you need to give them the respect they deserve and take it very seriously. Uh, you can't let your guard down against a pusher and say, oh, you know, this guy's just a pusher. He's uh, he's just he's not got a real solid game. He doesn't have any weapons. This guy should be easy. He doesn't have a good tennis game. No, you, you need to give these type of players respect because they are good at what they do. Uh, typically, this type of player takes pride in in the fact that they drive people crazy and they love hustling for balls. They love just getting one more shot back and and forcing you to have to make that one more good shot uh, to earn the points. So you need to give them respect and take the match seriously. When you know you're coming up against somebody who is this type of player, you're going to have to earn every single point. They're not going to just give you free points. So if you don't go into the match really sharp mentally, if you go with your guard down saying, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, you know, my forehand's been feeling good, I'm just going to crush this guy, um, you know, once they get the third, fourth, or fifth forehand, you've hit back in the court and you start second guessing yourself. Yeah, it's easy to go downhill quickly. So mentally, first of all, give them the respect they deserve. Um, prepare to ha- and expect to have to hit more shots per point than you're used to. And lastly, on this point, never assume that the point is finished. You might have just hit a great shot, and you know you, you think, oh man, that was. Excellent. You just finished your swine. It's deep in the court. It's uh, over to their backhand corner. And maybe you're just kind of walking up to the net thinking, all right, this this point's over. He's probably not even going to touch it. And the next thing you know, he's gotten there or she has gotten there. And the ball is floating back up to you and you've let your guard down. Um, So I guess my point is overall, keep your guard up, period. Give them respect to coming into the match. Give them respect from point to point. 
expect to have to hit a lot of shots in play, and don't ever assume the point is going to be over. This type of player makes his or her living on the courts hustling and just putting the ball back in play. So you need to be prepared to play more shots than than you're used to uh, from point to point. Now let's talk about strategy. How do you beat this player? Uh, how do you actually go through and, and, and put your points together so that you can win and become successful? First of all, and this is, we're going to talk about a couple different strategies that you can use to beat this type of player. Uh, but what they all come down to is you need to be able to pressure and attack somehow, period. And end of story. If you, if you don't have some way that you can pressure and attack this type of player, uh, and be aggressive, you're, gonna, you're in for a long day on the tennis court because that's exactly what they want. Uh, the last thing you should be doing is slowing down and trying to play their type of game and, and just putting the ball back in the court to them. That's exactly what they want because it's what they do best, uh, a true pusher anyway, somebody who really just plays their whole game based on consistency and very little else. Um, don't slow down and just try to beat them at their own game. And if you if you don't have some kind of uh, something you can attack with, that's all you've got left is just putting the ball in, in the court and, and hoping that they screw up. And now you're playing exactly what the type of game that they want you to, and they're going to have you beat because this is what they do day in and day out is just play consistently and just put the ball in the court. So you're either going to be in for the longest fight on the tennis court of your life or they're going to drive you crazy and you're going to self-destruct. So you have to, in some way or other, be able to pressure them and attack. And we're going to talk quickly here about four different ways that you can do that. First of all, use depth. Hit past the service line consistently. Uh, And the, the deeper and deeper you're able to hit, the less time they have to react to the ball after the bounce. And the deeper you hit, the farther back behind the baseline they're going to be pushed in order to have to get your ball back in play. And that means that they're in a more defensive position than even they're probably normally used to. And eventually they're going to give you something that's short and weak. And that's going to be your opportunity there to move forwards and attack and be able to put the ball away. Now, again, you have to have the ability to take a short and weak shot and, and um, confidently hit an aggressive shot to one side or the other and try to finish the point. Uh, other, otherwise, you know, you can use depth all day, all day long and get short balls all day long. Uh, if you can't consistently attack on a short ball, then it's kind of all for naught. You need to be able to still hit that pressuring shot and try to put the ball away once you do get rewarded with a short ball. Secondly, use placement. Move them side to side. And typically, pushers and retrievers don't mind this too much, but that's another way that you're going to be rewarded with a short shot that you can attack on. So move them side to side. And if you can keep the ball deep as you do that, even better. Keep them back behind the baseline while you move them back and forth and wait for a short ball you can put away. Thirdly, approach the net and make them hit aggressively to win. Um, or make them have to hit up a good lob and, and hit a lob over you. But make them try to do something to win the point rather than allowing them to be comfortable and letting them just put the ball back in play however they feel like and whatever you know uh, is comfortable to them. 
move in and kind of force the issue. Make them try to hit a winning shot instead of letting them just hit the ball back in the court. Now, you might find that they can do that, and that's frustrating, uh, but make them do it a couple times and see if they can pass the test before you just sit back on the baseline and not pressure them at all um, or put all the pressure on yourself with your ground strokes to have to pressure them. Uh, lastly, fourthly, make them come to the net. If you have decent touch, you can hit a short ball on purpose. Make them come closer to the net and approach and see if their net game is any good. Uh, oftentimes, pushers or retrievers love the baseline. It gives them time to run to the ball. It gives them time to to push the ball back. Uh, by forcing them to come to the net, you take time away from them on, on their next shot after they've approached. And it's possible that their volleys are just not very good because they're comfortable on the baseline. So make them come to the net. There's four strategies right there you can try and mix up against this type of player um, and use combinations of them. See which which type of strategy of those four really makes them the least comfortable. Uh, maybe the, the two, uh, two strategies that make them the most uncomfortable and mix those up and put them out of their comfort zone. And one more time, uh, I, my last uh, note here was on technique. And I kind of already went over this um, initially when I started how to beat a pusher. But if you can't swing confidently and attack on a ground stroke, you will always struggle beating this type of player. Always. This type of player loves playing somebody who doesn't feel confident and comfortable putting a good swing, a good long, confident, accelerated swing on a ground stroke because that's basically what they do. Uh, they push the ball back in play without making a big swing at it, and they'd be, they would love to, to get that type of shot back to them all day long because that's what they're comfortable with. So if you're not able to move forwards and take a short shot and accelerate and hit it with some topspin and place it reasonably well, you, you're always going to struggle playing this type of player. If you're a, a 2.0 or a 2.5 or uh, really all the way up to a 3.5 player, this is the number one thing you need to work on if you want to beat somebody who just plays the consistency game and doesn't really try to attack at all. You need to be able to hit a good, confident ground stroke to be able to pressure your opponent. This is for episode number 195 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope the pusher topic was helpful to you. And I'd like to read a couple of comments here from last week's episode, number 194, about developing mental toughness. Got a lot of great comments on that episode. I just want to say thank you and I appreciate it to everybody that listened and then came back to the site and left their comments and questions. By the way, you can do that for this episode, number 195, by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. Click on number 195 and leave your thoughts and comments. I always love hearing from you guys, and I'll always do my best to, to read a couple at the end of the next uh, week's show. So from last week, two comments here that I want to uh, just touch on briefly. First of all, from Tony. He wrote and said, I also think that fitness is an issue with mental toughness. If you do not, if you do not work out and um, you're not fit for the game, you're more likely to choose, I'm sorry, <laughs> if you do work out 
and you are fit for the game, you're more likely to choose the better shot. For example, if you're dragged out of the court a few times, but your opponent is not attacking the net, a high looping topspin shot can allow you time to get back into position. But if you are still out of breath and still a little bit behind in the rally, but if you are fit and you'll play that shot and still be able to be in the point if you hit something a little bit more effective. If you're aghast because you're not in good as shape as you could be, you'll hit a lower percentage shot option. Excuse me. Yeah, Tony, that's really, really common. And you'll even see the pros do this once in a while when they're really getting run back back and forth, back and forth. And eventually, you know, they just kind of get tired of the rally or physically tired. It could be either one. could just be mental, um, just kind of impatience. But a lot of times it's due to fitness as well that a player will just just go for the low percentage shot. And they, they're just kind of feeling and realizing that, as you said, a good way of saying it, they're behind in the point. And rather than stay in the point because they feel like, well, I can't possibly win this point if it goes on any longer because I'm just, I can't get to the next ball. Then the default is just, all right, go for a winner. <laughs> and they go for that, you know, on the run, like off the court, down the line, forehand or backhand. It's like six inches over the net and six inches inside the line. And recreational players and professional players make this mental error. And it is a mental error. And so it's it's cool that Tony kind of pointed that connection out between fitness and being mentally tough. They're definitely closely related. And then I also wanted to read a comment from Reed. Reed wrote and said, great topic. Anytime you can have a discussion on mental toughness, it's great. So as I understand it, one, have a game plan, two, practice, and three, compete. Sounds easy, but not really. <laughs> and yeah, Reed, you got it. That was the gist of my, uh, my topic last week. And you're absolutely 100% correct. And I, I, I know I touched on that at least um, briefly. I said that, you know, this is very simple. These concepts are very simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, it's the opposite. It's very, very simple, but it's very difficult to be good at. Just like volley technique. Volley technique is incredibly simple, but it's very difficult to be good at. Most people complicate it, uh, overcomplicate it. And as a result, their volleys are not nearly as good as they could be. Uh, People with, you know, mental toughness issues, I don't think it's so much that they, I mean, they do, they complicate it because they do things that are not, you know, um, not going to lead them towards success. But I think it's more so that tennis players aren't educated on what they can do to improve their mental toughness. I think that's more the issue uh, with mental toughness. But you're absolutely correct that it's simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) It can be very frustrating for that reason. Okay. So Tony Reed and everybody else, lots of other people that left comments last week. Thank you very much. If you have any comments or questions for this week's episode, please leave them at EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. And with that, have a great week, everybody. And I'll be coming back with a brand new episode for next week's show. Thanks. Take care and good luck with your tennis.